0: Hi, it's professional wrestler Effie. You may not see me on TV, but one place you are gonna catch me is listening to the Demon Road Diaries. It's the kind of podcast that keeps me, well, it keeps me demonic.
1: And approximately, probably, maybe right now, maybe a second or two could be oh, there. We fucking Oh, There it fucking
2: is, fucking and it's going. So, welcome back to Demon Road Diaries. Hell, it's been a, a long month. We took a month off after season one, and and that was uh, refreshing. I forgot how to podcast. Uh, I haven't put headphones on my my head in quite some time, but that's okay. We're back on the train. Life is back, and how are we gonna start it? How are we starting season two? Big, real damn big. But before we get to our guest, which is, like I said, real fucking big, and I'm really excited, uh, let's tell you who we are because you haven't heard it in weeks. Fucking weeks, guys. It's me, it's me, That's sweet KDG, your Music City Messiah, Kaden Green.
0: Your bastard son, Ronnie Rios.
1: And I don't even know where the fuck I am right now, Chelsea. Dirted.
2: I was gonna ask you—did you look like you're in a in like a trailer on an episode of uh, Breaking Bad?
1: It's actually oh, got- my dad's office, <laughs> um, because my internet is busted at home, so I took over his office. Um, but it's filled from like with like some artifacts of the long lost past. Nice, nice. Yeah, there's is your a- father, the one who knocks. Um, he never really knocked. He just kind of walked in and I was like, oh, cool. I could have been like murdering a man in here, but that's fine. Yeah,
2: it's life. This is life. Uh, so let's get to it guys. Our guest, uh, our special guest today is a former WWE Divas champion. The winner of NXT season three before NXT was like Adam Cole, baby, um, She is uh, the owner of Celestial Bodies, uh, and one badass chick, you may have known her as Caitlin. We know her as Celeste. Welcome to the show.
3: What a intro. I was like trying to figure out how to put my headphones on. I like upside down. You're like, I don't know how to put these on. So thanks so much for having me on. I haven't done, I actually haven't done a podcast in quite a bit. Um, so, which is weird because I feel like everything with COVID has moved, you know, everyone to screens, but, um, or, you know, recording things remotely, but I, I haven't done one in quite some time. So I'm honored to be on and I'm super excited to talk about all kind of weird shit, wrestling and otherwise. Um, so cool. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, yeah
1: thank you for joining us on this journey to insanity it's uh we're gonna fucking rock and roll and goddamn it's only been a month and i can barely string a sentence together but that's par for the course here (laughs) at demon road diaries you uh
3: you got into the meth in your dad's office it's yeah,
1: it's, it's it's the blue shit, and it's really fucking good. Meth is a hell of a drug. Uh,
2: it's so fucking pure.
1: Yeah, all, all it all it took was a couple weeks without podcasting, and I went from straight edge to meth head. Like that slope is fucking slippery, my guy.
2: Well, you
0: were in Newport Richie. So weekend, so this so. is Joe Biden's America. is That what you're
1: about? this is Joe Biden's America. <laughs> Fuck it. This is
0: what you again. want to suck at, Libtards? <laughs> oh, uh, Caitlin. Thank you again for coming on. Um,
1: we transition, by the way. <laughs> yeah, we just like this, we just we just do that. But, I host my so.
0: podcast a lot, like I wrestle, where I ignore all the dumb shit that went wrong and just keep going.
3: That's just, no, just a straight no self. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I
0: actually whatever. had to do that this weekend. A little side tangent. I we wrestled. For our home promotion for the first time in over a year. And I come out and I usually run around the ring because I'm just, I guess that's just what I do. And we wrestled outside. And so we're in this parking lot and I dart out. And when I get to the corner of the ring, I pivot because I'm going to start running to the other side. I didn't realize I was like on soft gravel that wasn't set. So I straight up Mega Man dash straight into the crowd. (laughs) And I just remember I skidded and I like I had I thought to myself you have to no sell this. You have to stand <laughs> straight up and laugh it off. And like I like you popped like right zoomed up.
3: You like in and you like accidentally kissed a guy on the mouth and you're like no sell it, no sell it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wanted to do it. It was a It was exhilarating. I
1: attracted to him.
0: What are you <laughs> doing later? Do you want to get coffee?
1: <laughs> it was it was he tiedest O'Neal it.
0: I did. I have my uh, no, slide.
2: That's you, what you were talking about agree, in the visual. chat. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
1: Okay. Wow. Because
2: after you did that, I fed out. You know, to the same side, and some guy goes, "Be careful! It's slippery." And I was like, <laughs> "Thank you." <laughs> that whole So match, I have no idea why. I was just like, "That's awful, kind of him." <laughs> I just remember we
0: had to do the standoff at the beginning, and I'm just standing, going, "Like my hands burn a lot." <laughs> Um, uh, Caitlin, uh, enough about my, uh, clumsiness. Uh, I want to know more about you. Cause I, I, you know, I've heard scant kind of broad strokes about your origin and where you came from. I know you're from Texas. I know that you were a fitness competitor before you became a wrestler. Um, so just kind of want to know like your story, like what, what drew you to the business and ultimately what got you to, uh, take that dive into professional wrestling.
3: Man. Uh, it seems like an eternity ago. Uh, I, I left WWE in 2014, um, and I – so I was – I don't know. So I started wrestling when I was 23. Um, wasn't ever, like, a huge wrestling fan. I, I think the most I was into wrestling was watching it, like, you know back in like vader days vader's prime uh with my brother he was like vader is my favorite wrestler um but that was kind of like the extent of it and then um i was in um to you know figure competitions and bodybuilding and fitness stuff and um i found it to be a very like static version of me um and i felt like i had all of this um creative expression. And, um, I was, uh, I had the opportunity to try out for WWE. Um, it was like, it was a really cool situation. Uh, there was a guy who was in, um, developmental and he had either gotten released or he, um, left on his own and he was, uh, in the middle of trying to, um, come on as a recruiter. And so he, I met him through the fitness industry and so he kind of told me a little bit about uh, what he was trying to do and his time in WWE. And, um, he was like, I will try to help you get a tryout. So it was me and my best friend at the time. And she's still one of my best friends. Uh, you know, he was just like, put, you know, put a bio together, send me some pictures and I'll, I'll send it on to Ty Bailey. Uh, hey. Ty Bailey days. and, um, and so I think it was 2010 and, um, so my friend and I, we both got the opportunity to, to fly out to Tampa, That that's where the uh, developmental center was, FCW. FCW. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
3: and um, so I tried out. So essentially then, I'm sure the trials are similar in a lot of ways now, but much different. <laughs> uh, you know, some things, some, uh, some things ever change, I guess. Um, so essentially like they bring you in and you kind of live the life for a week and um the first day I mean I I, I literally had no idea what to expect I just knew like kind of have nothing to lose like I'm I knew I was like uh athletic um and was kind of counting on that and uh so the first day they essentially you know they teach you how to take a bump and then you take like a thousand bumps and um just it's just like a really like you know if it's kind of like a shock thing. You know, you, you don't know what to expect. You go on, you take a, feel like you got in a car accident. <laughs> and, um, it was, I, I was, I trained the, the entire first day with Norman Smiley, um, just such a compassionate man and just, you know, such a love for the business. And so that was very helpful to be kind of like, you know, under his wing. And, um, my friend that I uh, tried out with after the first day, she was like, this is not for me, like straight up just knows who she is. She's like, I don't like this. Like I'm probably going to go home. <laughs> and I was like it it sucked because I felt super alone, but I also was like, well, like fuck yeah. Like I know I can do this. Like I love this shit. And it was just like one day. And um I felt like I was like this is for me. Like this is an opportunity for me. Um so I ended up having like a really, you know, I don't know, a, a cool first week and I remember um so on within that the tryout week on Wednesdays um they they were like so Wednesday is promo day so you're essentially going to have to come up with like a 1 minute spiel you're going to have to get in the ring like do a promo um in front of everyone and i think um there was like a lot of the office down um on that week that tryout week cuz i think there was maybe like a handful of other people trying out and um so i was like okay I set myself apart I got, it's got to be funny it's got to be sexy it's got to be so i did this like um kind of a reenactment of an SNL skit like the I'm 50 um thing and I so I asked uh Derek Bateman to uh be in my promo with me and he was like sure fuck it I don't care and so we did this like dope promo and afterwards it was literally completely silent not one person knew whether they should laugh or like that everyone was just kind of looking around and then all of a sudden you could hear um Johnny Laurenitis just cracking up with the only <laughs> voice. And um, and then so everyone was like, Okay, that was weird, but this is cool. And so um I think I have uh I'm pretty sure that the re- the reason I got hired was from um that absolutely ridiculous promo. And um I just kind of saw it as my opportunity to set myself apart as like, you know, this is like this dynamic version of me that I, that I get to express and explore. And uh, yeah, so I got signed and um, I moved maybe like three weeks or a month down uh, after the tryout and um, didn't have any money. I uh, was put on a developmental contract and then I was there for maybe three, four weeks in, in the actual program. Um, And I was down there, the, the, the developmental system was much smaller than it is now, like what they have with the, um, the performance center. So there was like maybe eight girls total. And it was like um, Naomi, AJ, Jamie Keys, uh, Maxine, uh, gosh, who else was it? Um, Oksana. And um, I didn't know, and it was kind of like super hush hush, but they, what, the time that I kind of had gotten there and was integrating myself into the program, um, they had art they were already chosen and set to debut on NXT season three as the first all female season. And it was like super, super like hush hush. I didn't know anything about it until um, one day they had brought in Aloisa, who is this like um, seven foot chick, like just this Amazon, like just this phenomenon, right? She was so tall and she had like these massive tits. Like she would, I remember she would hug me and her tits would set. Sit like right on the top of my head. <laughs> looking really strange. But it was, I was like, this is dope. Like, this is pro wrestling. Like, this is what, you know, this is what this shit is. Anyways, um, I, when they brought her in, I found out about their, their, they, you know, they were debuting the season three and then all the, everybody was gonna, was set to debut. And um, so she, Aloisa was there training with all the girls this week and kind of learning how to work with them. And she was kind of the draw to the show. And uh, at the end of that week, um nxt was supposed to our season of our yeah season three was supposed to debut on the sci-fi network live and um so it was going to be um live on tuesday before smackdown uh, was going to be filmed so that friday i got a call from johnny lornitis and he told me essentially that Aloisa had gotten let go due to some stuff that the uh, wwe felt wasn't like pg or it wasn't um very representative of the brand and so they let her go and they said that I was going to take her place and um, at that point I had never had a match I literally had just learned how to like do bo- like body slams and you know headlock takeovers and um, I literally cried I cried because at what it was like every emotion you could possibly experience at once and um, and when I got the phone I was like oh my god I don't know where to start like and um, I called one of my mentors back in home in Houston and he had trained me for my, like, my, my competitions and was just like a, like a very like a father figure to me. His name is Greg. And he was like, dude, why are you crying? Like, this is literally what you signed up for. Like, just do it. And after that talk, like, I had this, like, blind confidence um, you know, that I had nothing to lose. Like, this is it. Like, you know what I mean? Just opportunities present themselves and you just take them and that's what you do. Um, so I ended up, they gave, I didn't have any money. I didn't have anything to wear. I went up to the school and I told them kind of the situation and I was like, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to wear. I don't know who to be. <laughs> Cause I didn't even have a, um, a gimmick. I didn't have, I didn't have, um, Oh, sorry. I got a call. <laughs> I didn't have, um, any moves, any, uh, anything. I didn't, I didn't have anything, um, besides just myself and like, that's it. And so they gave me a thousand dollars petty cash and they were like, go buy diva clothes. And so It's actually really hilarious. Everything I bought, they didn't let me wear. Um, I literally, it's funny, because, like, the shit I bought was, like, the stuff I ended up wearing towards the end of my career, because, like, I kind of had to prove myself for, like, who I was, and um, so I bought, like, all this, like, army green shit, black mesh, you know, and um, I brought it to TV, and we had, a like, all the NXT girls we experienced raw, we were all backstage, kind of, like, getting to know how everything was going to work, and it was the the absolute most fucking terrifying thing I've ever experienced being backstage at Raw. Because it's, like, every person you see on TV, it's all the, like, head office people. It's so fucking intimidating. And, like, I don't know how it is now. I assume it's probably the same, which is sad. But it was very cutthroat. um, Very, um, it's, like, this, uh, it's this thing where, oops. Um, Sorry, I think I'm having a camera issue. Um, Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. hold on okay uh it was very uh intimidating um not very warm or well you know welcoming um anyway so uh yeah so I debuted so on Tuesday uh before the show was set to go live they wanted to see what we were all gonna wear and I was like well this is what I got I don't know and they were like you can't wear this you can't wear this can't wear this like wear this and so they handed me one of Naomi's dresses who she like kind of (laughs) had to volunteer it was this pink sparkly fucking thing that I would never ever pick out myself never would be caught dead in not that I have anything against anyone else's style just wasn't me and um I wore it and I what's funny too is like I they literally gave me my like stage name the day that day they're like oh Caitlin and so and like don't get me wrong I don't not like the came, the name caitlin it just it it's it seemed so just like uh whatever here's this name you know and so my assumption was that they were i was just a replacement and that you know most likely they assumed that i was going to get voted off or you know um sent back down to developmental to actually like become a wrestler and you know learn how to <laughs> wrestle and build a gimmick and a character and stuff and um yeah so that's how it happened and it was like even to this day, through everything that I've been through, I would have to say, like, that that moment, like, that day that I debuted was the absolute most, like, I think, pivotal uh, moment in my life because it was, like, you either just step the fuck up or you don't, you know, it's like you don't, like, I, I didn't see any other option. And, um, yeah, and that was the start of it all. And uh, I kind of just, like, literally worked my way through um WWE like just shitting my pants every time I was backstage <laughs> or like on TV it was just this you know I, it was I, I literally developed this like oh shit method like everything I was doing it was like oh shit oh my god oh shit oh shit and like I just figured it out <laughs> and I feel like I still kind of live my life like that
1: <laughs> it's the ang- it's the anxiety method
3: yeah yeah it's quite effective also ineffective <laughs>
1: yeah you just you just scream the entire time and then yeah. the silence in your head afterwards is completely deafening <laughs> you're just crying into your hair yeah
0: <laughs> i mean you definitely you made it work i mean i mean that's the definition of being a pro wrestler is you make it work whatever's thrown at you um because i you know i I know that WWE has a passion for like getting athletes outside of wrestling to bring them in for training and stuff like that. And I think I had had an inkling that that was the case with you, that you were kind of brought in completely fresh. And, but I don't know, like I, I was a fan, like, I mean, still a fan, but I mean, I was just, just a fan watching the product uh, when you were having your big run on TV and like I never for a moment got the inkling that you were someone out of your element or someone who didn't know what they were doing. Like you came across as just as professional just as capable as anybody else on the roster. Wow. So I think like whatever you were feeling, I totally get that. But like you didn't show it. Like you fucking you know, killed it.
1: I had no idea. I was like, <laughs> I was like yeah. I was, that I was imposter like,
0: syndrome was, was, yeah, was not hitting real. as hard as you thought. Yeah, <laughs> it,
1: it was, I picked out my favorites immediately it was you and AJ. And I was like, all right, as long as one of them wins, I'll be happy.
3: <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that kindness. That's like really dope. Cause I, I think I can, like, I can look back on stuff now and see, you know, hindsight. And then I also, but I, I, I can only view myself from, you know, the way I see myself. And it's like, it was very, to me, just like, so, I don't know, like, just, uh,
1: it was what it was.
3: And, and I, I really, for a long time, just viewed myself as someone who got lucky and just, you know, whatever. Um, but it like, you know, as I kind of climbed a ladder a little bit later in my career, I realized that there, what I did, I had something, I had something in me and like, that was the thing that like carried me through even when I just had absolutely no fucking idea what I was doing. Um, and, like, I, it allowed me to recognize that in myself and give myself a little bit of credit, if you will. And, like, just that helped me get through a lot of, like, really tough stuff. Um, you know, I don't think any pro wrestler's career on any level is ever easy. It's it just like anything, you know. But um, I think it's such an undervalued and unappreciated sport or, and form of art. Um, and the way that like my perspective is now and the way that I appreciate things and the way that like, I feel things, um, I fucking love pro wrestling more than anything, especially now, because I can see it. Like I see people and like, it's, I see wrestlers. Um, and I get it. Like, I know they do what they do because they love it. And it's this, like this, you know, burning this fire and it's like this, this passion and you do it for nothing a lot of times for monetarily like all everything is is fulfillment and uh, you know personal fulfillment and it's like so much about your connection with fans and people and like the the story you're telling them through your body and like you know your heart essentially um and so like i just have so much appreciation for it and like i don't know if i'll ever like wrestle wrestle again but like i just love it i love talking about it i love watching it, depending on what it is, but like, I just appreciate it so much for everything that it is. And it took me a long time to like, really uh, be able to honor that when I was wrestling um, with WWE, because I I was constantly in a mode of like, just this self-analyzation of like judging myself and like carrying like shame for not being good uh, or good, you know, air quotes, good or whatever. And um, I, I, di- I didn't, for a, a large portion of time in, in my wrestling career, I didn't ever allow myself to step back and, like, look at what I was actually doing and, like, what I had the opportunity to, to do and this connection I was creating with, like, young girls and, like, you know, a- anybody of any age. But, like, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to um, stand for something as, like, a woman that was a little bit different than, like, the typical you know, girls that were there in in my era, the diva era. And, um, that's really fucking cool. Like I, I look back at that and even now, like I've made friends with some of like my fans that were fans of me, like in NXT and they're all grown up now, but they were young girls at the time. And it's like, I love seeing that shit. And like, I can talk to them now. And, um, I feel like my message is more clear and, and I have a better idea of who I am now. And like, I don't know. It's just, it taught me so much. And I, but I, I really, really do have so much appreciation for every single person that ever has stepped into the ring and
1: whatever capacity. It's, I mean, you took uh, a leap that is probably uh, so much scarier than just, you know, signing up for wrestling school. Like you moved from, you moved across the country to a place you had never lived with no money. You didn't know anybody there and you completely, you know, you left your entire life in Texas and embarked on this new journey that essentially, you know, you knew nothing about at the time. And you're just like, fuck it, man. Let's, let's fucking go. Let's fucking go. Let's just fucking go dog. And it, and it like really, really paid off. It's like, it's, I can't imagine how how scary it was and how like, holy shit, I'm really doing this. I moved to Tampa yesterday and I'm yeah. doing this ridiculous thing. It's like, because I think about how scared I was just signing up for wrestling school. And I can't even imagine going into this industry um, and literally changing my life overnight. Like, I can't even imagine that. You know what, though? Like, I think was very helpful
3: is that I literally, I didn't know anything about the business. I didn't know anything. So I didn't have any preconceived notions. I didn't have any like expectations. I literally didn't even know about like shaking people's hands. You know what I mean? Like I didn't know any of that stuff. And for a long time I felt like, and, and I was treated as such and I have, and don't get me wrong. I have so much compassion for everyone that I ever worked with. Um, but you know, early on, the way I was treated was that like I didn't belong there. I didn't earn it. I had to prove myself. I constantly had to prove myself, which I get. It's a very cutthroat industry, especially for women. Like then, like we were fighting for like three minutes on a on a three hour show, and it's like that did not. And and the the missing thing was like, hey let's work together. Let's build each other up. And like, let's prove ourselves. Let's get 10 minutes on the show. Let's get 15 minutes on the show. Let's get two segments on the show. But it was such a scarcity mindset that it was so cutthroat that like everybody was fucking undercutting everybody and talking shit. And like it just the it was missing that fundamental uh, like togetherness. And um, I think there there was, you know, you look at the women's division now and it's like damn, that's fucking awesome. And it's like, you, you kind of look at the evolution of it and like everybody started working together and like you started you start getting momentum, you start getting more time, you start getting uh, opportunity to build a character and, and get people. And cause that, that was something that I, I can look back at now and see why for so long, we only had three minutes on a TV show. It's because people didn't care, not because we didn't know how to wrestle but because they weren't invested in us as characters because they never had the opportunity to get to know us on screen. And so that was, like, a really a big missing piece, I think, that um, you know, kept the women's division where it was for a long time. Um, but now, like, uh, when I see any of the girls that were, like, in developmental when I was up on the, on the main roster, I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. Like, that's dope. Uh, everything that they, they've done and, like, all that they've accomplished, like, it's so cool. And, and the respect they've gained as, like, just as wrestlers. Like, they don't even fucking call them divas anymore, which is so cool. It's like, they're respected as wrestlers. Um, and that's awesome. And, and, and not even just, not even just as wrestlers, but as like performers, like talented performers, like they have so much to offer. So well-rounded, so dynamic. Um, so yeah, I've like, I, I think that's like a really cool thing for me just to, to step back and see, and just even how much women's wrestling has grown in general, in general.
1: Oh yeah. Like all over the world. It's, um, it's like you you kind of came in during the era where it was starting to change like you were I feel like integral in that because that was the period of time where like oh shit women are getting matches on pay-per-views yeah oh that was a 10-minute match I've never seen that before and that kind of started to build amongst itself and it was yeah. pushing out of the era of you know women are the bath bathroom break match to yeah. uh women are having you know like serious yeah. matches and actual yeah. storylines and pay-per-view matches and dude it's like I,
3: I there was literally days where say it was like a diva's battle royal or something like we would we would prep all day you know they'd say okay you have this much you have this many minutes for the match, like put it together. And then, you know, by the time our segment comes up, maybe we're segment eight, it's like everyone's matches run over. Everyone's segment has run over. So, you know, time gets, keeps getting cut out of our match. I remember one of the like biggest uh, or I don't, it's just stuck in my brain because it was so unbelievable, but we had put, it was when like Kelly Kelly was still there and all those girls. And we had put together this, like, it was like a, I don't know, like a five-on-five or a four-on-four tag match, and we had put this entire thing together all day, and then we, of course, lost almost all our match time, and so when our music hit, um, we got in the, we cut out, I think one, like the Baby Faces got entrances, and then, because that was really important, it still is, It's entrances are so important, you tell a story with just your, you know, your entrance, and um, so I get why they would keep those, but Literally, as soon as the bell rang, Ref says, uh, You got to go home. So it was literally <laughs> a roll up. It was Marisa's entrance, and then a roll up, and then one, two, three, and that was it. Like, so, so it's like so much time and effort and like passion, and all of you, it, 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 it takes everything in you to be yeah. able to work with eight, 10 other girls trying to help everyone shine. You know, and and knowing you only had like thirty fucking seconds to do it, it's like it's like heartbreaking. It it it's like tough shit. You know, like when you you spend all day worrying about like how you're gonna look, and you know, are you gonna get a moment in the match? Are you gonna be able to like prove yourself? You know, and it's like it's it's so devastating. And, and you know, it was very devastating a lot of times. But um, I feel so. There was there was moments like that, but there's also and you guys know, like, just matches in general, like, there's things that happen that are by accident, and they end up being, like, the coolest shit ever. And I feel like everything that has happened to me or happened to me in my in my WB wrestling career was one of those moments. And it it was, like, kind of this joke to me um, that I should just, like, you know, loosen up a little bit because stuff started to happen to me when it was not even intentional. It was just more like I was letting this, you know, I don't know, this kind of like freer version of myself kind of shine through. And um one of like in my opinion, the the coolest things to happen to me for a lot of reasons. Um and like you'll see, but so when I was when I was there, nobody wanted to, to um produce the women's matches because like everyone was always upset about not getting enough time or whatever the case was. So it was very hard to be a producer for women's matches. And so we had Fit, Fit Finley, like he was like the diva whisperer at the time because like he was so compassionate um, and, and so determined to help us shine, even if, you know, if it's 30 seconds or a minute for a full match. And um, so he, he had gotten, he, uh, something happened uh, over on an overseas tour and he, ha- he had to not be not not be let go, but he wasn't with the company for a while, maybe like a year or so. And so um the night he came back, I had no idea he was coming back. It was raw and it was a battle royal. And I at that time had worked my way up a little bit on the SmackDown roster and I was like pitching storylines every week. And I pitched this storyline with Eve. Um and I was trying to get get hired as like the general manager of Smackdown. And um so they were kind of like allowing a little bit of the storyline here and there. And you know weeks building up and um the day that i was supposed to have the match with eve for the um for the position which by the way i wrote the storyline myself and you know submitting shit every single week um vince ended up changing his mind and giving uh having eve go over and giving her the position for the storyline that i had written and so i was like really devastated about that and that was like uh the smackdown before this battle royal but um because i had been getting in some tv time with Eve, I was a little bit more relevant, certainly not, you know, in a main storyline or anything. Um so so Fit finley shows up at this battle royal and the winner, uh Layla was a champion at the time and the winner was supposed to be um whoever won the battle royal was supposed to be the number one contender for the for the divas title. Yeah, so it's just the girl, my favorite story. <laughs> it's so funny. So the the girls were putting together the match, Fit shows up and everyone's like, "Well, oh, Fit." And um, he comes up to me and he's like, what are you doing? Like, why aren't you on TV? Like, what, you know, and it wasn't, like, a shitty thing. He was just, like, he knew how hard I was working and he knew, like, how bad I wanted it. And he's like, what, what's happening? Like, why, why isn't this happening for you? And so he looked over, like, the um, the match and, like, who was getting eliminated. You know, lowest man on the totem pole gets eliminated first. You just, you know, you, you get thrown over, you go backstage. And um, I was, I think, getting eliminated maybe, like, Second or third, and uh, he's like, "Okay, let's rework this." <laughs> and he, um, he, he was like, "You've been working with Eve, right?" And he's like, "Okay, this makes sense. You and Eve are going to be the last two in the in the match in the battle royal." And I was like, "Holy shit! Like nothing like that. I had never been in a position like that on Raw. Um, never been in a match for that long of that importance um, at leading up to to that point." And um, so we had the finish. We had everything. Um, so we go out there, boom, 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 the whole thing. And it's just me and Eve. And so the spot was, I was going to clothesline her over. She's going to hang on, pull me out through the second rope. It's like with the women's battle roles, you could still get eliminated through the second. And I go, we do the spot, whatever. I go to clothesline her, um, and She doesn't go over all the way. so she's like, hit me again, hit me again. So I fucking clotheslined the shit out of her. And she fell off. She fell out and eliminated herself. And it, And it was... So not only was it this like, oh shit moment, Brad Maddox, it was his first time to ever ref uh, on Raw. Like he had never refed like uh, any, any live like Raw matches. So he's like, uh, and, I'm, and I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna get fired. Like every bad thought you could think of like just going through my head. And um, he, they have, you know Vince and everybody's in his ear and they're like, celebrate, celebrate, fucking celebrate. So he picks up my arm and it was this genuine like total underdog moment in real life like oh my god and so it was so bizarre and so I go back through gorilla fully expecting to get fired or like be in some kind of trouble or Vince yell at me or whatever and Vince is laughing hysterically just (laughs) like how much shit has he seen and his you know it's like of course like shit like that's funny to him but um Eve was crying and um I walked backstage and like there was people that were like hey congratulations like good for you. Like people that were rooting for me that I was just like tight with backstage. And then there was girls that were like, no way, just running to the writer's room, trying to get me written out, like no way that, you know, like I didn't deserve it. And, um, uh, that, that botch or that miracle was how I got my title run and then eventually won a title from that. So, um, it was just this like, whoops moment. And it ended up being like, so fucking cool. And like, when I go back and I watch that match, it's so funny. Cause I literally was just like, that's it for me. I'm done. You know, like you just, you don't know you, you don't know yeah. because I feel like sometimes like you hear about people getting fired over like something so stupid or so random. And I just, at that point knew I, I wasn't like one of the top girls. I knew that, you know, I wasn't super relevant and like, I fucked something up pretty big. So I, I didn't know, but, um, yeah, it ended up being like such a cool, such a cool moment. And, um, kind of everything, everything that really, like, started moving the gears with my career happened very similar to that.
1: That's, like, I remember I watched that live, and I remember your face, like, your hands, like, you covered your mouth, and and you had, like, the oh shit, and I saw, like, you could see him, like, right in the corner, you could see Brad Maddox kind of, like, uh, it's yeah, like he's like I'm gonna get fired too <laughs> it's like it's like when you um he had the face of like when you hit your younger sibling um and they start to like make the crying face you're like <gasps> you're yeah. like no it's fine, it's fine it's fine don't tell mom it's not me if you want yeah um, <laughs> right here right here in the face
0: <laughs> I like that story though because I feel like you talk about like oh people have been fired for less or Fired for dumber or you're worried about what the repercussions might be but like i don't know it, it i like the miracle of that because it's it's evident of just like it, it, you said like oh i closed lined the shit out of her and it's like it's one of those things where it's like yeah you it happened because you were shining with what makes you special what makes you different you were this undeniable force in the division and so it's like I you know, I would like to think if anybody there knows how to do their job, they could see that, like, oh yeah, no shit she won. Like, look at her. You know, so <laughs> like you know, so that's
1: cool perspective. And, and you, like followed that, yeah. yeah. you followed through on, clothes on the clothesline. Yeah, followed through on clotheslines on this. It podcast. must have been a
0: damn good clothesline. I was just like, well, "Shit!" <laughs> it's, that's, it's that
1: follow- it's like, Well, would you look at that
2: fucking clothesline!
1: That me and
0: Chelsea a- have this running joke because we lived together during the first half of the the pandemic, and so we were just spending days and days just watching wrestling together and they got to that cycle where we started watching our matches with each other and like critiquing them and we uh we were talking about like as we critique ourselves of like as we've been wrestling long enough you know you you love the the entertainers you love people like the rock and eddie guerrero and stuff like that and you love people that do really insane cool shit you know like you know your ricochets and and your uh, miami miami toyota's and shit like that but like it's like we started to appreciate people like Io Shirai, who is just like, she's so fucking well trained. She's like, she bumps so cleanly. She just yeah. does everything crisply and nicely. It's not that it's complicated, she just does it with precision. And so, like, we started joking about that to each other. We be watching our matches, and I'm like, do you see that fucking clothesline? I'm fucking trained. See that back bump?
1: I'm fucking trained. Crisp, fucking.
0: So that's exactly. the thing. You're talking that's about how, like, I don't feel like crisp. I know what I'm doing. They're watching that clothesline. Vince is just like, that girl's fucking trained. That
1: girl's fucking <laughs> trained. You see that fucking crisp clothesline, how snappy it was, how you sailed back over the rope. That girl that, is fucking man. trained.
3: But you know what's sad, though, is like through, through the entirety of my career, regardless of how cool something was or how impressive something was, um, my entire career it was constantly like you need to lose weight you need to look like this like even after I there I, there was there was um a point where I was I had one NXT I was like on the roster but I not really There were just like sending me to live events to learn how to wrestle and um I had well, I just, I, I was like, okay, it must be my, me, it must be the way I look, must be my physical appearance. So I lo- I went on this like crazy diet and I lost like 25 pounds, which is a lot for someone of my size already. Um, and I was just like ripped super unhealthily though. And I, it was d- a diet that, and then like the amount of cardio I was doing, like just wasn't realistic to try to do on the road and, but I was still doing it. And um, so like I had And then after I got to that point, I still wasn't getting booked. I still wasn't getting, you know, main storylines and stuff. So um, I still tried to stay like in that, in that shape for as long as I could. And then it ended up kind of backfiring and I just started, you know, started getting a bunch of weight. And, um, and so when I, uh, I had kind of started to manage it a little bit when that, that whole, um, uh, Storyline started to happen with Eve after the Battle Royal, and literally every week was such a battle. Every week was Vince telling Hunter that I needed to lose weight, and Hunter's like she has abs, and he would would only see how much bigger I was in comparison to these other girls that he was like, yeah. you know, Barbie looking girls, and um, it really affected me psychologically where even if i could have if i had the best fucking match ever i would only see myself as overweight or much bigger than the girls that i was in the ring with or oh i shouldn't bend over like that or i have to find something that's more flattering because you know just in my mind it was always like vince hates the way i look or whatever it was and so that that was really detrimental to um my mental health and uh it was constantly reinforced through the girls that were getting um you know more tv time and stuff like that um and that was something that I I was I was even more desperate to prove myself because like I I had put so much value on like my physical appearance and then um like during all of this I had the absolute fucking honor to have Beth Phoenix like legit under like she had me under her wing because I think she saw me as like like, a little version of her in a way, like, and and I really looked up to her as far as, like, her physique and the way she carried herself and just, like, the type of, like, dope-ass fucking person that she is, um, and so I had her, so her, her belief in, like, my abilities in general was, like, something that helped me kind of, like, stay strong in those moments where I'm, like, god, I fucking, like, they don't like the way I look, like, you know, all my values tied in my physical appearance, and, um, and so when I, uh, so, but I had so much trouble, like, perceiving myself as, as I'm not this type of girl, but I'm not quite Beth. So what I did, like, I had so much trouble saying, like, this is what I am. And, you know, the whole time, I, that's, I, I, I just, I am who I am. But I thought that I had to fit in this, like, this category. And I, mm-hmm. I didn't know where I was supposed to go. And I had like Arn telling me that I should wrestle like Beth. And then I had someone else telling me that I should wrestle like this. And um, I I spent so long trying to find myself as a performer and as as a wrestler um, just because I couldn't understand where I fit physically in the division. And I think that's so fucking sad because like it was so much emphasis was put on like how you look, um, not not what you can do or who you are. Uh, So one of the coolest things that like, the coolest one of the coolest parts of my career was um it was a it was literally the weekend before i won the title and i was still struggling really bad with who who i am who i was as a wrestler as a performer like who is caitlin i was just struggling it was like this identity crisis and literally majority of my career and i had this single i was wrestling eve on singles uh single matches um on live events and we were having these dope fucking matches and um eve was getting eve was retiring and um i knew that like we, you know we were gonna have this big match on on raw and so the week the the live events leading up to that we were wrestling one-on-one and the night before the big uh our big title match on raw um we wrestled at msg and um we had a singles match and arn pulled me aside and he was like um he was like i want you to spear her for the finish and at that time i was using like all kinds of different stuff and um and I was like, are you sure? Like, you know, cause like as, as someone lower on the totem pole and as a woman, you, you literally have to go through a checklist of like, whose move is this? Is someone using this move in their match? Like, am I allowed to do this? Um, and so there was other people on the card doing a spear as a finish. And I'm like, but you don't just tell Arn no. You don't tell Arn Anderson no. And especially if he takes the time to say like, hey, here, do this, like, I believe in you, I see you as this, like, he's like, you got, you got a like, you're a powerhouse, you're like, whatever, and so he handed that to me, and he was like, do this, and like, that's, um, I used that to win um, that singles match at MSG, and then I took that, and I used it in the title match on Raw, where I won the title, and it was the first time I ever did a spear as a finish, and I didn't, like, I had this imposter syndrome of, like, do, does, is that like a move for me do I look like I can do that you know it was like but it, it was um it's like Arn like gave me this permission to kind of like step into this more powerful version of me and like that was the thing that kind of like pushed me to just like like stop fucking caring about what I what if Vince thought I had enough sparkles on my shit you know on my outfits and like whatever and I just started wearing like that like vests and like you know jeans and shit. And like, I stopped worrying about being this thing that I thought they wanted me to be for so long. And I that's when I started to shine. Like I just I literally dropped all the shit. And it's like are gave me that permission, like with that one conversation. And that's when stuff like really changed course. And I I felt like it was this, uh, it allowed me to take like this mask off, and just kind of own it so much more than I ever had because like I felt like so much before that I was like asking for permission asking for permission asking for permission and then I just stopped and then that changed everything and then so that literally remains uh like a principle in the way that I live my life now is like you don't ask for permission you just do it like you just do shit and um if if it's you know obviously if it like hurts someone or it's like you know not a honorable thing to do like that's not what I'm talking about but I'm talking about like being yourself and like literally like not asking for permission to be you
1: it's crazy how moments like that become so fucking pivotal in your career and become such an incredible turning point it's it's things you would never even think about and yeah it's it's like I had a uh I had a moment like that in I want to say twenty eighteen, maybe, um, where I was still at the school that I started at, and the uh, the coach there was always telling me that I was untrainable and I was unteachable, I was uncoachable, and that I would never make it anywhere. I could never learn anything. There was something fundamentally wrong with me that I could not become a better wrestler. And then a friend of mine um, who was in town he came in like guest trained for the night and it took him like eight minutes how to teach to teach me how to do a hurricane rana, which is a move that before i had never done i had never attempted to do i never asked anybody to teach it to me because i thought i was incapable of learning it i thought i would never be able to leave my feet and that it wasn't ever something I would be able to do, and it took literally less than ten minutes for me to learn it, and that's when I realized that I wasn't uncoachable at all, that there was nothing wrong with me. And just that moment, you needed
3: that moment.
1: I needed that moment to, like, that moment yeah. to realize that um, it was it was the coach, not the student, and I yeah. and that I could do this. I just needed to find. I just needed to find a way, and it's, it's crazy how you can look back on that.
3: It is. And it's like, even like literally even up to my life now, like current, literally current moments. Now I still, I'm still figuring out like these beliefs that I've had in place for so long. Like you just have beliefs about yourself and that becomes your reality. Like I can't do this. I'm not capable of this. I can, I'm, I can only do this or I'm only meant to do these things. And, um, you literally just, you start believing that shit. And, uh, And those beliefs like shape our realities. And so, like, it just takes a second of something to show you that you're bigger than like this stunted belief about yourself. Um, And so, like, I love shit like that. I love like impromptu things that you weren't like prepared for or you weren't thinking about all day. Like, oh shit, I have to learn how to do like a her karana and I don't think I can or whatever. You just, it's those moments of like, it's like a gap in, it's like, you know, how anxiety happens or like we're just in our heads so much and it's just like so many thoughts and it's negative spirals of shit and it you know it just manifests into you know these patterns and and you know stuff that we all battle every day and uh there's these moments where uh it's like the purest version of you where there's no cyclical negative thoughts and patterns going in your head it's just you and there's no thoughts and those are the moments where like you can you shine you shine through. And um they're always in the most like unpredictable th- times or you know moments, places or whatever, but like that's the beauty of it, I feel like. And I think that's really dope for you to have had that like just uh, validation that you are yeah, capable.
1: Absolutely. And you know, speaking of pivotal moments, we do have a segment on this show <laughs> about moments like that. Rios, oh, would you nice, like to take we're... us further?
2: Are we skipping over a segment, and are we mixing segments around? Are we have rearranging segments. I'm all right with it.
1: <laughs> you know what? Want... It's 2021, really? dog. We're we're doing things a little different. Season like, like two, things go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like they're fucking comfortable. Don't judge me. Uh, There's
0: the future crisscross always wanted. <laughs>
2: So I, I think where Chelsea is going, uh, we have a little segment on here. And I know you've went through some some wild stuff uh, with your uh, WWE run, life in general. Uh, like, I know NXT was one of those situations where they, like, they were like, hey, show up. Maybe chug this gallon of Diet Coke and then run <laughs> upstairs. And that's a competition. A,
3: a gallon challenge with milk yeah no.
2: and then you have to like do a thousand burpees or something. Um, but uh wrestling's a weird place, and uh, sometimes it gets a little different. So we're asking you uh do do you want to do the uh the the thing about Conan because I'm gonna fuck it up <laughs> I'm
0: always a work great guy.
2: Um,
0: <laughs> so we have a segment, Celeste on the pod, uh in honor of our favorite wrestler, uh Conan. Uh, <laughs> for no particular reason. Um, This is the only Conan Stan podcast, including his own. Uh, so I have to qu- ask you, is there a situation, is there a time in your career at any point where you were looking down the barrel and you were just like, motherfucker, shit is going to be so rowdy, rowdy.
2: K-O-N-N-A and Conan.
0: But you know what? <laughs> you got through it. You got around it. You speared it. You clotheslined it over the top. You <laughs> said you don't fucking define me. And you know what? I'm bout it. Bout it.
1: Fox, man! This is your amazing. rowdy, rowdy, bout it, bout it segment of the week. And this time, brothers and sisters, it's coming before Wrestle Crush Wednesday. Because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> Mexico City.
3: Mexico City. That was incredible, guys. We could, we could like just close it out there if we wanted. That was <laughs> so <good. laughs> like
1: it's like we're, we're done here, man. It's time to we're taking it That's home. A wrap. <laughs> uh,
3: go home it's just a roll up. Yeah, um, <laughs> roll
1: up, roll back.
3: I'm blowing, brother. <laughs> you know, like honestly, so my mind is I'm blown. Um, my mind is very uh, like. I feel like I'm blanking, but there's one – there's literally just, like, one thing, like, glaring. And it's like – I'm like, ah, it doesn't quite fit this, but I think it kind of does. So most – all of those moments were, like, either suppressed deep in my psyche and will never emerge again. Uh, No, Later um, in therapy. Yeah. Uh, There were mostly – NXT related. Cause that was like such a shit show. And you know, every week, like it, it was reality based, uh, which means like, you know, there was writers for the show for the segments, but the, there was voting, but from the fans and, and stuff. So it was like, it was uh, yeah. And they surprised us a lot of the times. Like we, sometimes we would look at the card and we would see like these people have a, there's a match here, there's a match here. And then there would be segments that they would be like a question mark or like they would just fuck with us. And, um, so there was a match where, so in this case, like I knew what I was going into, which gave me the, uh, the opportunity to fucking freak out the whole day. Um, but I, so I was having a single, I think it was one of my first thing. I think it might've been my first singles match, maybe second, um, with Maxine, um, on the next team. And so any, any singles matches that I had had, whether they were on TV or not, like, or practice, were with AJ, and she really, like, she guided me so through everything. We were the best of friends, like, um, and I'm so grateful for, for our friendship and, um, and for how much she helped me through a lot of stuff. And we helped each other. We were, we were, we were there for each other. And, um, and it was also the reason why we had a lot of chemistry in the ring is, like, we, we had so much love for each other That like it was just nothing but like wanting wanting to like lift the other person up and just see both of us you know rise and um, so I I, so I had the singles match I don't remember what the story was but I had just straight up singles with with Maxine and again like one of the first times I had ever wrestled an actual match not not protected in a tag because up until then I think it was mostly protected in tag tag matches where I would tag in do a move tag out you know I didn't I didn't have the skills quite yet to have any, like, uh, awareness of, like, what to do if I didn't know the exact moves, you know, like, okay, get in, duck one, you know, like... Grab you know, a hold, brother. Like, yeah, exactly. So, like, I didn't I didn't have that awareness yet to, to be able to think in the moment of what to do. So, um, yeah, so I had this match with Maxine, and it was... Okay, so there's this part where she hold my shirt over my head to just like as like a cutoff or something she was a heel and um from that point on everything was a blur i was like oh my fucking god every second of the match i didn't know what to do i was trying to talk to her i didn't have any ring awareness it was uh like an absolute disaster absolute disaster. i was so embarrassed so fucking embarrassed and at that time you know they had Social media wasn't what it is now. There wasn't and Instagram. wasn't really wasn't around. Like uh, I mean, as people were on Facebook and stuff. But like social media you know, now versus 10 years ago was a whole different beast, and you guys know that. But um, so we had Twitter. So everyone had Twitter. So like it was a big thing to live tweet during shit. And so at that time, I was still. It was I was only in WWE for like a couple of weeks. So I of course would like go on social and I would read comments and I would. It was like so devastating like just the, how fucking mean people would be about like it's like first of all guys uh, I just got a dope opportunity and I took it and here I am doing it you know but it's like people are so ruthless um, and then I didn't under. now I can understand that like when people project shit like that at you for any reason it's like their own pain you know it's like their own shit that they're projecting at you and like people that that take the time to say mean shit and bully people online is like I have compassion for them because that is like, so there's something so wrong with that. Like um, finding uh, valid, you know, joy or like, or, or pleasure and seeing someone else hurting um, in any capacity. So then though, I didn't have that awareness. and I didn't have that level of compassion for others that would, you know, you know, treat me in such a way. And so I was on top of being humiliated in the ring live in front of, you know, a couple thousand people, Um, I was humiliated again on social and I just like, I took all of it to heart and I was like, Oh my God, this is like the worst day of my life. And then, and so then (laughs) the match ended up being, I forget on, I think it was like a couple like dirt sites or whatever. Um, it was voted the worst women's match of some time period or something. And I was like, I mean, yeah, it's pretty legit, but it's still like, still couldn't laugh at it. I was still like, Oh my God, this is so embarrassing. Like, if this is going to haunt me forever. And, and now, now uh, I look back at it and I'm like, I have no shame, no embarrassment, nothing. Like I I have so much love for me then. Like, cause I literally, I did, I was doing the best I could and I still fucking did it. So it's like, I look back at it and I'm like, dude, I have nothing to be embarrassed about. Nothing to be ashamed of. Like I went and I did shit that took so much courage and um, like, you know, you, you, you uh, as you continue to go through life and gain all these experiences, you realize that each really hard thing teaches you so much about yourself. It teaches you so much about life, about, you know, people in your life. And, and yeah, so it's like, it, it was humiliating for a long time and I would even like cringe when people would like joke about it. People that are my friends that weren't making fun of me with, they'd be like, I remember that. And it would still like hurt a little bit to talk about it or hear it. And, um and now like, it's, it, I'll fucking show any, I'll pull the match up on YouTube. You know, it's like, I'll, it's, it's so crazy just to see like that version of me. Like I have so much compassion for me and for that version of myself. And I have compassion for Maxine because she was put in a position that was unfair as well. Like she was the more seasoned wrestler. She had been wrestling for a couple of years but they gave her this task of like leading someone who has literally never fucking wrestled before so you know she dealt with it in her own way which was not necessarily the nicest way um and and you know putting so much blame on me and like the producers and stuff but like i know that she dealt with quite a bit of like i think humiliation there as like the more seasoned person so um just overall like now i can laugh at it and i can truly appreciate
1: it but uh
3: then it was just so so devastating
1: Man, that whole fucking show, like, that incarnation of NXT was like a fever dream. Uh, Dude, dude.
3: (laughs) So, you know, okay, so you guys know um, uh, fucking, what's his name, Michael Cole's whole role on that show just would, like, he shit on everybody, all the, you know, um, he was a commentator. Why is his name blinking? It's Michael Cole, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, he okay. was a heel like, at the time, right? Yeah, he, he was, was the he heel,
1: was heel commentator. had like this weird heel <laughs> run. He
3: was he literally he shit on us so bad every week to the point where we were like, cut us a break. Like this was, it was so bad. And Stop he, it. it was almost he was like inciting, he was like inviting fans and people just to like like talk so much shit um about the entire show. And you know, we weren't writing the show, we were a part of the show, but we weren't writing it, we were doing the best that we could. And so, you know, and I think that, like, he probably had a role to fulfill, uh, you know, in his work, in his job. And um, that was just the, the role that they gave him and the role he stepped into. So, like, it was never anything personal, but it was still, like, really harsh. And, and like, we needed anything that we could get <laughs> on that season. And, um, and so, like, fast forward to 2018. So I left in 2014 and in 2018, I had started to get back in the ring, just like I'd gone through this really fucked up divorce. And I was like, I had uh, substance abuse issues and I was not taking care of myself. And so I got back in the ring. Um, I was like starting a YouTube channel and I wanted to get, uh, re- like current video of me in the ring as me now in, the, in that, in that time. And, um, so I had, was posting about it and I was posting it on social. So, um, When the so the that year the May Young, uh, the second year the May Young was coming around, and the um, and by the way, uh, Chelsea was a big part of my comeback. Uh (laughs) I
1: fucking did it, dog.
3: Yeah, Chelsea trained with me and helped me so incredibly much. Like I don't know if you know how much you did. So um, I and I don't think I've ever like
1: really thanked you for that. So I appreciate the shit out of that. By the way, so you um, you've paid it back in dividends like more than you could <laughs> well, possibly know so much
3: love for you so um <laughs> it's that's crazy actually um so that so I guess because I was posting it on social and uh, um Canyon Steeman is such a funny last name he is the um the talent recruiter or whatever Ta- he's in charge of talent um now for WWE and then he was just kind of getting the job and so him and I he would spend a lot of time with me trying to understand, like trying to make sure that what happened to me didn't happen again to a lot of these people that they're bringing in. Um, because it was just this really weird situation where I got thrown out there, you know, with like no experience and stuff. So he was building the, the, the talent portion of the company to be kind of what it is now with the Performance Center, him and, and Hunter. And um, so he reached out to me and he's like, hey, would you have any interest? I see you're wrestling again. Would you have any interest in um, doing the May Young? And I was like, at first I was like, Bleh. and then I was like, actually, you know what? This would be really cool. Cause like, I'm this evolved version of myself. I want to do things on my terms, blah, blah, blah. And so I went back and I did, I had two matches and it was actually like really fucking dope. I had, the, I had a blast and the coolest part of it was they had Michael Cole, Beth and Renee Young doing the commentating. And so each girl that was in the tournament had the opportunity to sit in a room with them, talk about their, life their um their wrestling career their character what they wanted them to put over in the matches you know what what would be helpful for the story of each match and so i sat in this room and i was it was like such a reunion with renee and beth and and i saw michael and like i i i have love for him like i have compassion and love for everybody that i ever worked with and in whatever whatever capacity and um and he was like it was this cool moment because he's like. I am so sorry for like what that was for you. And like, I'm so happy to see you now in, in this light. And like, you know, the person that you've become. And it was this very like gratifying, uh, validating thing uh, from, from kind of like an open wound in a way. Cause he was really, really nasty on, on some of the, the episodes on commentary. And especially like, I, you know, on during my matches. Um, and so I, often like I wouldn't, watch anything back or I just wouldn't listen to it because it was so like crushing
0: that's kind of wild just you know that I understand like you know you you put it very plainly of like this is what happened and this is what I was dealing with and it's kind of insane just the process because It's I don't know how like like in baseball terms, it's like if you grab someone who's fresh out of high school, like because people get drafted at 18, sometimes you pluck a high school pitcher right out 18 and tell him to go pitch for the Yankees, start a game in the middle of a season like he would totally shit the bed like there's no way he's ready. But like your situation is not even comparable to that. Your situation is like I walked outside and saw somebody that looked Athletic and was like, Hey, can you play baseball? I've never played baseball a day in my life. Too bad you're the starting pitcher for the Oreos. Let's go. (laughs) And then people are on Twitter being like, This guy fucking sucks. Can't even get the ball over the plate. And it's like, What the fuck did you think was going to (laughs) happen?
2: That sounds like the premise of, like, a Marky Mark movie from, like, the early 2000s that never came to fruition. Yes. Yo, Julian, yes. I gotta pay the rent on the
0: deli. What am I gonna do? I don't know, but the the Phillies need a pitcher next week. Malti Salo's got hurt.
3: That I am now envisioning myself only as Marky Mark uh, in, that, in these scenarios. Feel it. Feel it.
2: <laughs> That's your new entrance theme, if you ever wrestle again.
0: God, I'm just gonna come I out to feel it. it.
3: <laughs>
2: uh, to kind of step back and talk about uh the Mae Young Classic um so you would come back from from just a little bit of training or from training and getting yourself back into the grind uh your second match you had with Mia Yim um uh, was fucking fire if you would have told me that like you had been back into the business for like I'm guessing a matter of weeks or something at, prior to that or months prior to that I'm like you're fucking full of shit it was literally like. I've rewatched that women's uh, classic or, or women's classic, the, the May Young, a few times. And it's easily one of my favorite matches from it because it's just it's storytelling. It's uh, like people working body parts. And then like even the kicking out at this uh, the end uh, with the spear is just like, oh, shit, we're we're doing it's <laughs> like there's so much like we're so much into it. it.
0: I'm noticing this trend with you, where it's just like you keep saying, like, "I was thrown in the deep end. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have time <laughs> to get ready." And it's like, "Oh, by the way, five stars. Fucking killing it. Fucking <laughs> didn't Those, even
1: yeah. notice." <laughs> that match was, um, that was especially fun for me because, like, I'd see someone be like, "Ah, we worked on that." <laughs> and they're like, yeah, ah. the, uh, the cannonball, like, so much
3: shit. Yeah, um, that was actually probably like the most fun I've ever had in the ring, legit. And I feel like you could tell. And it, it was like multifaceted because yes, like I knew that I knew, I didn't know who I was wrestling, um, but I knew like I was going to go back. And this is kind of a cool opportunity for me to be like, uh, fuck you guys, but in like a cool way, you know? And, um, but you know, just to go back and like, and be like, okay, cool. Like, this is me. This is who I am. Like, this is how, how I want to wrestle. You know, I wasn't like some, like, scared deer in the headlights anymore where I just would have said yes to anything. Um, and so I had this, like, confidence, this different confidence as, like, a very evolved version of myself after all the shit I had gone through, all the things that I had learned, all the things that I realized and how much my perception had, had widened and shifted. And um Mia uh, is a super dope person and she actually... Um, you know, when I left wrestling, I started a clothing business and um, Mia would just rock the shit out of my leggings and and my clothes and was very vocal about it on social media. Just like she would show me so much love. Um, And for no other reason other than like, she just loved the brand. And I I think she had respect for me. And um, I always appreciated that. And so like, I had never met her in person um, until the tournament. And, um, and so we had, um i had not i didn't really know much about her wrestling style because uh, like when i left like i had such a i, I didn't like i i didn't want to immerse myself in wrestling anymore like i was like okay new chapter and um so I, I didn't really know i didn't watch any i i watched some of her stuff uh like you know the day before as i found out like i was gonna be wrestling her and, um, so I didn't know how she worked and, you know, I had, she knew that I had wrestled in four years other than like training, you know, and, uh, in the ring for, a, you know, however, a couple weeks or months. And, um, and so we just sat down and we were like, all right, what do you want to do? And then we just fucking put together this dope ass match that I was so excited about. And like, we took a couple things out cause we were like, eh, I don't know, we've never worked together, that might not work. And then, like, we decided to put him back in. And it was, like, this whole thing. And, like, it was just the, the most fun. Like, I felt like I was expressing myself in a way that I had never quite been able to before. And um, I felt so much fucking love, so much love from, like, fans and just, like, the WWE universe, you know, if you want to call it that, but, like, wrestling fans are so fucking loyal and it is like it is so humbling and like um I felt so much of that love and like I felt it almost like lifted me up in a way and it gave me this like additional confidence in myself and and just like the whole thing as a whole and so um you know like I knew that she was gonna go over and I had um I had I was so happy for her because, like, I knew how hard she worked and, and how long she's been working and, like, what it meant to her. And um, I was in a different place in my life. Like, you know, it didn't, to me, like, I wanted that for her. And, like, I truly embodied that. Like, I wanted that for her. And I wanted it to be a good match for both of us. And, um, and it was, like, after it was over and, um, like, just the way the, the fans were reacting, I, like, I literally cried. Like, I had tears. And they were like, it was every, again, it was like this full circle, like every emotion ever feeling that literally like the day that I got the call that I was going to debut on NXT, like it was those same rush of emotions. And like, it was, I couldn't not cry. I was crying and I was so happy for myself. I was so happy for her. And she fucking got signed right after that. And like, I, I, um, that was everything to me. And she still like, she still supports the shit out of my company. Like every drop I have, she's, she like grabs an outfit and she posts it all the time. And it's like, it's just cool. Like that mutual respect. And, and, um, I had, and I, I literally, I said this in an interview. I did a ton of interviews, um, like leading up to the May Young it was like I was the only alum that came back and so I was doing a lot of media and um the one interview I did after that I was like I literally said I was like if I never wrestle for WWE again like I'm good like I'm I'm uh good like there's no unfinished business like that was enough for me and um I stand by that like I just they they offered me a contract after the tournament and it was Shit, and like I'm like sh- shit doesn't change, and and I I I'm not like a I'm not a person that I'm not a demanding person. I'm like really easy going with stuff, and uh, you know I had a, an established business at that time, and so there was a couple things that like I needed to ha- to have happen if that contract was gonna get signed, and they weren't willing to budge on literally anything. Um, and like the one thing that I wanted was to have my name to wrestle with my name or. Literally anything other than Caitlyn. Like, I wanted it to be this fresh start. I wanted it to be this, like, different opportunity. And um, they wouldn't budge on it. And I was just like, okay. Like, that's all I, you know, that was, like, a sign from the universe that, like, that's that's kind of it. Like, that was my last thing with them. And, like, I have a ton of gratitude for every portion of my career, even, like, the really shitty hard stuff. Uh, And, like, I will never talk bad about WWE other than, like, you know, some of the ways that, like, they how I was affected psychologically about like my appearance and stuff. But um, o- overall uh, it was one of the greatest experiences of my life and it will for, it has forever shaped me. And um, it will always be something I look back on with like so much like love and gratitude.
1: Speaking you of that, women.
3: Before you do that.
1: God damn it, Rios. <laughs> another perfect segue. I just cut, <laughs> was up.
0: You I'm just going to cut you off right there. Damn you it. thought you had me. no?
1: Fucking great moments for a heel turn. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, uh, I do. Uh, well, this is two things. One, uh, I was perusing your um, Celest- Celestial Bodies uh, website. And I could tell now that I've been working at bands too long. Um, because I can name the exact shoes you're wearing in these model pictures.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I literally, I used to only wear chucks. Now I only wear vans and shoes. Like I'm, I'm obsessed. <laughs> yeah. You
0: got the, uh, slip on yes. SF mini leopard. Didn't
1: we spend, yeah. did we spend like an hour in the van store in New York City?
0: <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> well, I got that hookup if you ever want it. Oh shit.
1: I'm well, t- we weren't yeah, back then.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. But uh, I had a question, and it's and, uh, Chelsea was going to allude to uh, Wrestle Crush Wednesday, which is our segment where we ask you, um, where I ask you, you know, dream opponents, uh, wrestlers that you would really love to get in the ring with. But your E?
1: what? I said, what? who is it, and why is it Big E? <laughs> we'll
0: get to that. We'll get to that. Um, but I had a question that just popped into my brain, and it, it came to me when you mentioned. The contract, I had never heard that. I mean, I could assume that that WWE offered you a contract just because, A, who you are, the stock you offer as a talent, as a, uh, as a product, and then also just like, that was definitely the period where they were just signing as many people as they could because they were terrified of where everyone was going. Yes. But we're very much in a situation now in the wrestling world where even though, COVID has ravaged a lot of companies and changed a lot of things. There's still a lot of work. Um, you know, you have a lot of companies that are growing their television deals. A lot of companies that are understanding that that desire and that uh, thirst for women's wrestling, wanting to see women wrestlers perform on a high level consistently. Um, so there's a lot of companies trying to bolster their rosters. Has there ever? Have you ever? entertained an offer from any other company or ever thought about like oh i would love to go work over there if i if the chance was there
3: dude yeah like i i talked to i was chatting with brandy for quite a while before they announced they before they did their press release for aew um and they were still kind of building what that was going to look like and brandy and i were I, I don't have anybody that I was ever like, oh, I'm not cool with that person. Unless, like, that was their decision to act like that with me. Like, it, you know, it was a, like, um, I don't know. So, Brandy and I were really cool. We were in FCW together. And then we were also up on the road at the same time. And I, she, she's fucking cool. She minds her own business. Like, she's very smart. She's very capable. And I have a lot of respect for her. And um, she reached out. Um, about, and I, I, think I had made them like a highlight reel of something or something from maybe like May Young and a couple other things I had done. And, uh, they were still built This is before the uh, press conference, uh, the press release. Um, I think it was a pre- press conference or whatever that was live. Um, anyways, so I was talking with them a lot. And then I think that there was a bunch of changes really fast and I kind of, um, just fell through the cracks and it, it was not something like, and you know, I have my company and if it had happened, I would have, I think I would have done a lot to make it happen. If it was like, you know, something that required a lot of my time or travel or whatever, because I loved what they were. I loved their foundation and like what they, you know, the premise of uh, what they were doing. So, um, that kind of happened, and I just let her know, like, it, you know, if they ever are interested or whatever, like, I'm totally open to it. Um, and then I actually, so um, PJ Black, who is Justin Gabriel uh, for on WWE, um, he and I were always friends, and he had reached out to me. This was kind of after the AEW thing, um, and he said that, you know, he was partnering with uh, somebody in South Africa. They were starting a new wrestling promotion there and trying to essentially re- rebuild pro wrestling there. And, um, so him and I were chatting for like six months about this and I ended up, um, talking to the guy, his name is, uh, Cornelius, um, from <laughs> South Africa. He was a guy who founded, he founded a company called Slam Force Africa and, um, uh, PJ Black was a part of that. And because I knew PJ as a person and like as a wrestler and I trusted uh, our friendship and like you know what he was saying about the uh, the promoter in, in South Africa. And so I, you know, negotiated for a couple of weeks and ended up signing a, a year contract to do like four shows for this new wrestling company. And the reason why it was so appealing because the number one, they they were setting out to create this different, this different culture in pro wrestling um where it was essentially everything that like wrestlers would ever want (laughs) you know just like the love and respect and and the the community of of people that like just love wrestling and want to nurture it and and fulfill uh you know what the fans needs and and all that stuff so it sounded it was just like really cool and like they they really valued my ideas and my perspective for what i thought that we should bring to to the promotion and that has something, that was something that was kind of foreign to me. Like, you know, the I, I didn't have a lot of control over creative when I was wrestling with WWE. And so, like, it was this cool thing where I'm like, okay, cool. I kind of have the pin now. Like, I can write this story. And um, it felt very, like, creative. And so I I I went out there for the first show. And it was fucking crazy. All the shit that happened. The ring broke in the main event. Like, it was... Uh, Rob Van Dam and, and PJ Black they wrestled in the main. event. It was a double main event. The uh, our women's match we had a triple threat, and then the the double main with with um, Rob and, and PJ, and they literally fell through the ring during the match. And um, Bones um, Bones uh, Bones was reff- Bones was reffing it. Justin King, um, you know, and I had worked with him in WWE, and uh, he's such a trip. So he he was reffing um, that match, and and uh Cornelius was in the back saying call the match call the match but they kept going and so it was just really fucking cool it was an awesome experience and the, our 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 show actually was the day that South Africa won the Rugby World Cup so it was a little bit fucking insane there um and then so I I was contracted for three more shows and then COVID just you know ravaged everything uh, like you said so um I don't know if they're going to make it because they were just a startup of, you know, they were literally just getting their, their, their feet wet. And, um, so yeah, like I'm totally open. I I loved that deal because I was only wrestling four times a year and I got to go to South Africa four times, you know? So like I was going to get to do that. So, um, I'm definitely like I'm older, so I'm more cognizant of like what I'm capable of and like what I want to put my body through. Um, especially like the way you act when you're fucking 23 and you just think you're invincible. Like, you know, and then when you're 34 or 35, you're like, Oh shit. Uh, <laughs> and so I, I'm cognizant of that. And like, I obviously care about like how I f- am going to feel when I'm 50. So I am open to doing something with pro wrestling. Cause I, I fucking love it. And I, I appreciate it. And um, I think it's like finally being honored in a way that it never has been right now and that's really fucking cool so i've always said that like if i have my hand in something in some capacity i'd be happy i just i don't know what that looks like
1: chelsea you know what i don't even want to i don't even want to fucking do it anymore (laughs) it's it's your it's your segment like you, you you ruined it for forever and just all right fine go.
0: fine I'll fine whatever fine whatever i'll carry whatever, the load fine, jesus yeah, christ
1: do it, whatever i don't
0: oh, damn. care fucking a do you need me to do take all the bumps too like what's good <laughs> you got strong
2: you're, you're taking the heat i'm going over strong all right i'll take the heat
0: and the pin and i'll blow the hot tag cool all yeah. right let's go <laughs> um celeste we have a segment on this show It's our oldest segment. It's our first segment. It's the most base segment in our show. Because the episodes come out on Wednesdays, we decided from the jump, we're going to have a Wrestle Crush Wednesday. So I'm curious to know, of anyone in professional wrestling, be it a current performer, an up-and-comer, someone that you worked with but didn't get to work with extensively, uh, a legend that you looked up to, or someone that's no longer with us, is there anyone in professional wrestling that you're like, God damn it, I just need to slap that fucking meat. And why is it Big E's tits? <laughs> And
1: why is it Big E? They took why away it Big E? <laughs> like-
0: Did you ever do the horn swoggle bit with him?
1: <laughs>
0: no. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the fucking...
3: Was it with his titties or? Hornswoggle would stand
0: in front of him and just start windmilling his arms and and, and just Biggie would just take it all. And it was just like, it was like the weirdest strip tease I've ever seen.
3: You're like, you can't stop watching it. No,
0: it's <laughs> hypnotic. It can't look away.
3: It's hypnotic. <laughs> they actually use that to hypnotize people now. Yeah. Um, you no, know, you know, E is one of my dearest friends and we we regularly just message each other and say, you know, like, I'm grateful for you. I love you. You're an amazing person type thing. And anytime I have the opportunity to see him or, you know, vice versa, we, we make that happen. Just, we have this bond that, um, is like, we were going through such difficult things at the same time. And we found, and our friendship was so, um, so impactful during those times and we really like lifted each other up and um and I don't know I just I have so much love for him like I I think he is one of the absolute most incredible people that I've ever met and I will stand by that forever he's just like he's so incredible and um And so I'm so happy for him and any success that he has. Like, he just deserves it more than anyone. Um, (laughs) And it would be fucking amazing to wrestle him. Uh, We would have such a dope match. Um, But I think that, like, and I think this is kind of, like, a boring answer, but um, it's true. I would love the opportunity to go back and, like, and have a run or even just a match with AJ again because Mm. of, (laughs) yeah, it's, like, she she taught me so much in, and, and so many ways when I was just like, had no idea, you know, what to do or how to do it or whatever. And, um, and then we had this really beautiful friendship and we were, you know, same kind of thing with, with E and I, her and I were, we we're both struggling in our own ways and Um, you know, she was really struggling with mental health as you know, like the book she wrote and, um, and I was there with her, like through so much of it. And so we were dealing with that and like, you know, I had my shit and then we were dealing with like our family stuff. We both have similar family situations and, um, and we also were like fighting tooth and nail to like, you know, reach the top. And, um, and so I, you know, we had the dopest fucking pay-per-view match um, and I love that match, but I would love to have another match just based on, like, how much I know we've both grown as people and, like, what we know now about, like, generally, like, psychology alone um, and, like, also what we know about... um, how like what you can make people feel like the depth of like emotion that you can get across in a, in a wrestling match and I think it would be so powerful to have that opportunity again um and whatever what on whatever stage it is like if it's in front of two people or if it's you know on a, a grand stage I don't know but it it would be incredibly fulfilling for me and I think probably for her too um, although I I don't think she's probably ever going to like wrestle, wrestle again. I I think she has be, she, she's wrestled for a long time. So I know she has, you know, I don't know if she'd ever get back in the ring, but uh, that, that would be, that would be mine because it would just, just of how I think meaningful it would be to me. And, and at this stage in my life, it's all about, um, you know, meaning and, and tension and, and like purpose and, and, um,
1: Fulfillment. So I just I just have one um question. Do you think perhaps as like a wedding present, um you, AJ and Big E could have like a triple threat at my wedding? That would
3: literally be the best day of my
1: life. Yes, like, <laughs> like I will, at your wedding. Like, uh, like,
0: let's book it. Like, I'm ready.
1: Uh, I'm so, buying. so
0: we're yeah. taking her out of the bouquet battle royal. Is that what you're telling me?
1: Yeah, <laughs> because know. there I is a um, the card. Okay, yeah, there's <laughs> a um a bouquet over the top rope battle royal that uh, we booked on this show on a <laughs> yeah. previous on a previous episode. Um, yeah. but we're now adding to the card. Yeah.
3: Amazing.
1: Cool. Cool. Um. AJ <laughs> and I,
3: we once had a match. At, we had, we, when we were uh, in on NXT, we would go back. Um, when we're on the road with NXT, we would go back to FCW um, to practice. And, like, we'd go to promo day and, like, all that stuff. So um, it was, like, we'd be so delirious from the road because um, we would go, like, do the live events and then TV and then come back. And we'd, we'd go to the school and, and train. And so we, her and I had a practice match and we... We're so delirious, just like so like fucking inside out from like being on the road and like dealing with all that pressure and everything and, and like not sleeping and just so much stress. We were like, "Fuck it, whatever, let's just put a match together i uh, you're a monkey, I'm a robot." And our finish, <laughs> our finish was her pulling out my battery pack and uh my battery nice. as a robot, and just me taking a face bump and then like her turning me over and, and and covering me. So, like, I would happily any day reenact that match, and then we add E in there, too. That'd be, like... See, oh, we we just gotta gotta do, no
0: That immediately reminds me. There's a match from, like, 1970s Argentina that's strikingly similar to that. <laughs> the story <laughs> is, like, there's this mad scientist who, like, built a robot, but then the robot turned babyface on him. So then, the for some reason, the robot... Had a son, so the scientist kidnapped the robot's wow. son and then captured a mummy to fight the robots. Now, the robot okay. is fighting the mummy while trying to rescue his son. While oh, the I've mad seen scientist, yes, you have, while the mad scientist also has this giant control. That he's like trying to take control of the robot. This is all in the confines of a wrestling match. Wow. And wow. I just immediately imagined Biggie in like some <laughs> big lab coat with the, the fucking nutty professor glasses, just like trying to slap some controller, like, god damn it, come on.
3: <laughs> yeah, that was like very accurate too of like impression of him.
1: <laughs> god, I, I need to make it happen before I die. Yeah, I, I would do love to think so.
0: I do think you and AJ, um, I think this gets talked about a lot with you guys, but I don't think it's ever really fully explored. Is that obviously you guys contributed to the growth of the women's division? I, you know, I, you talk about your matches with her, like that to me is the definition of maximizing your minutes because, you know, I know you guys were fighting for time and I remember those matches. Those, stay have stayed with me since I saw them. And it's like I can't tell you move for move what happened, but like I remember the feelings. I remember what I felt watching them that like these are two women that have been through some shit together and they are working it out in the ring right now. <laughs> and uh and like it was just it yeah, it made you feel something. And it to me it's like the thing that I think you guys got kind of robbed of was that since you both kind of walked away before the re- like before this massive uh, uptick in women's wrestling and within the Fed is that you guys didn't get to do the things that, like, and I'm not even just talking about, like, more TV time. I'm talking about, like, you guys didn't get to have, like, I would have loved to have seen a Hell in a Cell match between you two.
1: Yeah. I would have loved to have seen
0: a TLC yeah. match between you two. I would have loved to have seen you guys really get that 30 minutes to just beat the holy hell out of each other and really tell that story of two friends that got pushed to the two best friends who got pushed to the edge. And Cause if you could tell that story line. in eight minutes in a normal match, I God knows what the fuck you could do. If they gave you all this house of horrors, bullshit. <laughs> Dude, was, I appreciate that so much. Very,
1: it was very like much. the first woman's storyline. That was like, not about That's a the guy. Thing. it's like so much of the women's division back then was just like
0: so-and-so is the champion, and so-and-so is the number one contender. That's it.
1: And it's yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here's a Here's a three-minute 20-woman battle royal uh, yeah. for uh, the number one contendership. And you're yeah. like, what? I blinked. <laughs> it's over.
3: Yeah. But it was funny because, like, so we get an entrance and then just thirty seconds to go home. Got it. Got it. Yeah, got it.
0: we got it. Do you want me to? Do you want me to, Don't worry, we've got to rain or things? on the ramp? Like, where do, Where do you want me to stick it?
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like, Poppy. Oh, I'm oh. oh, better than I expected. Oh, you're so good, dude.
3: Oh, He's like, full. check out my
1: wiener. Oh. He's such an yeah. exhibitionist. He, he always has been. He never
0: changed, it. Simon. Never changed. Never changed. <laughs> um, so uh, I think we're we're coming up on our time here. This has been an absolutely wonderful conversation. I I appreciate your candor, and I, I learned things today that I didn't know was the case. Uh, <laughs> and it's just been delightful to hear more about what you went through and what you overcame. Uh, I am curious, just like, cause I, 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 know you've been doing, uh, celestial bodies for a while now. Um, what is like, what was like your thought process going into that and how, what has been the things you have learned? Because you've been doing it for, has yeah, to I been see. like about seven years now. Yeah. 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 So yeah. like, what is the things you've learned? Cause clearly, you know, you don't have a business For seven years without doing something right and had seen some success. So like, what is it that has propelled you to like, keep that going?
3: Uh, cry every day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, mostly, Uh, no, I, I, so it's actually been this like really beautiful evolution of, you know, like my company is an extension of me and, um, it took me a long time to realize what that meant, and to like really embody it. So when I left wrestling, I left because like I thought that like I I was having isu- health issues, and I was like uh, twenty pounds heavier than I had been when I like started getting momentum on TV, and like was being really hard on myself, and I was just I was super depressed, and I my um I just was really struggling with mental health, and um the way that I was raised is. By a very strong woman. And, you know, the way she was raised was the same way. It's just this uh, ancestral lineage of don't talk about your feelings. You're strong uh, when you don't cry. Um, having emotions is weakness type thing. So that was very instilled in me for a long time. and And I also carried the weight of a lot of things for my family for a long time. And so I had the belief that my role um like what my role was and like that I and so I learned to suppress 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 and I never dealt with any of the shit that I was dealing with like I suppressed it and I moved on and so when it came towards like the end of my wrestling career I had like lost the title. And it wasn't like, I was like, man, I don't have the title anymore. It was like, I get it. Like there's peaks and valleys, there's ebbs and flows. Like I get it. You, you're not always on top, you build others, whatever. Um, but I, I, I had taken a step back to where I, um, I was like l- l- losing the title was almost like this pass off of like, okay, I'm kind of like on my way out type thing. Cause that's how I felt about myself. And, um, and I had gotten engaged at the time and I was in this, I was running from myself. I was running from this stuff I wasn't dealing with. And I didn't even know it. I didn't even have the awareness to like acknowledge any of this shit. And um, so I left and I was like, I had never depended on anybody in my entire life, financially, emotionally, like in any way. Um, I'd never had a a safe relationship. If, if, uh, and I mean that on a very deep level, like I'd never had, a relationship, whether it was my family or an intimate relationship, where I felt safe to express myself, express my emotions, like the things I was dealing with, and um, I didn't think that was uh, a thing. I didn't know that there was relationships where you could have a, a conversation about something that you're struggling with and not be judged or you know shamed for for things. And so um, I got I got engaged to someone very quickly, and um, I was like, okay, uh, this is a new chapter in my life. I'm leaving wrestling. I'm gonna, um, I have someone that will support me for the first time in my life on, on many different levels, why I start a company. And like, I, so my, my thought was like, okay, I'm leaving wrestling. I have this momentum. I'm going to start a, a, a clothing business based on shit. I like, like I love working out. I love, you know, and, and the concept for the business was our, the concept for the brand was, um, the booty scrunch was, so it was this seam, this like, um, this elastic seam sewn in like the, the, the booty seam, of you know, one that goes in between the butt cheeks and, and all of my wrestling gear. And it was this like extremely flattering, um, thing that I, I, I kind of it made it kind of my signature thing. And a lot of my wrestling gear, and it was this like little tiny thing that gave me a ton more confidence. And I, you know, at that point I could take, I would take anything I could get. So I loved that concept so much and it wasn't being done in athletic wear. So it kind of like had this idea. I'm like, I can, you know, create this new type of legging and, you know, and I, in the meantime, like I, I, I didn't have any experience in business. I didn't, I didn't know how to run a business. I didn't know how to manufacture clothing. I didn't, I literally didn't know any of that stuff. And, but it was like the mindset of like, I'll just figure it out type thing. And so the way that I was for so long, when I was dealing with all of this shit that I didn't know how to deal with emotionally, I channeled it into work and you know just keep yourself busy so i had this pattern in my life of like busying myself or numbing shit, and like those were the only two things that that i could you know do to alleviate all of this stuff internally that i was like dealing with and so um so i started to have so my my ex-husband um he helped me with like what he knew for uh uh, you know how to run a business how to start a business type, type stuff and i ended up having um an incredibly successful second year in business and I, um, I had like every influencer ever. It was like the year of influencers on Instagram and um, I was doing really, really, really good. And I started to like look at the way things were going and, and I would look at my company and it was like this overly sexualized thing that like, <laughs> hold on one second. This
1: She's on mute.
3: It, so hey. that. <laughs> it, hey, it, it became back. this thing that like, I didn't even recognize anymore. And I was like, this doesn't feel like mine. This doesn't feel like me. This doesn't feel like my message. And it was like, essentially, I had started um, using um, influencers that were like very unattainable bodies and, you know, uh, big, big asses were a thing. And, and so I started listening and at at that time I didn't understand how to how to own a business I didn't know how to be a leader I didn't know how to embody shit and so like I was not very involved in like the the connection with the customers on in DMs or like you know I, I was very separate from it but as I started to like kind of pay attention to that I noticed that comments like I'm I'm not in good enough shape to wear these clothes or I'll never look like that I'll never look like these models like and so I was like what am I fucking doing what am I doing like I don't I don't have an like the the way that I viewed myself was like I don't even have I don't have an unattainable body like I don't I don't look like those these girls that are representing my brand and um it was just this like I I didn't feel good about it and this was all kind of in conjunction with like a theme of my life where like I didn't this life like that I had didn't look like mine. It didn't look like what I know me as to, to have. And um, it was, you know, we had a lot of money and there was like flashy shit and there was like no real substance to anything. And, you know, behind closed doors, it was a very bad relationship. And, I, and I'm not saying that because I'm like, oh, putting blame on the other person in the relationship. There was things that we both uh, came into the relationship with and then brought out in each other because we didn't know how to deal with our own shit, and we we projected it at each other, and we like created monsters of each other, and um, and so it was very traumatic, very, very, very toxic, very unhealthy. And I had started to go uh, to therapy. I I had I was seeking therapy, you know, throughout my whole marriage, and and I I blamed myself for like not knowing how to transition from this life of you know being on tv to this life of like trying to grow business out of a bedroom and i and i was like it must be me like i don't know and um and it was this like massive identity crisis like if i if i i'm not a wrestler anymore so i have to make it as this like business owner ceo and i was like so tied to that and um anyway so like i i found i finally uh found this new therapist and he was very pivotal in this, like, evolution of mine. And he, um I, I had started to feel that that I would never amount to anything beyond what I had already done in my wrestling career. And I was like, that's kind of it. Like, that's the peak. I peaked. And and it was like, I didn't, I had these beliefs about myself, speaking of beliefs, like, that I, um, that everything that I ever accomplished was out of luck and I was just in the right place at the right time and, like, um and that that I started to disbelieve that I had this like magic or this thing that, that propelled me in, in my career. And, um, so I, this therapist, they started to help me see that in myself again. And then I, I got enough courage to, um, leave my marriage. And that was very scary because I had become very financially, emotionally dependent on that relationship. And I was scared that I didn't know how to run a business on my own. I was scared that I didn't know how to do anything on my own. And, um, I just, I did it, and it was like a really, uh, really, really massive shift in my life up until then. And um, I had to learn how to do. I at, at that point, leading up to that point, I had people that worked for my company, but that also worked for my ex-husband. And like, I no longer had the benefit of having them work for me anymore. So I basically was starting over. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and so I literally had to learn how to own, how to own, run a business all over again um, you know after about three years and so that was the coolest fucking thing that ever happened to me because like I actually like started to do things um in a way that was honoring like who I am and what my message is of like just fucking being yourself and like loving that shit and like embodying you know all the things that you are and all the things that you believe in without worrying about you know what if if you look a certain way or if you fit in this like you know, this mold of whatever. And, um, it was become this, it became this like beautiful, like flowering of what I think my company was always meant to be. And, um, that stuff was clicking, but my, like the, the numbers weren't there. Like I I couldn't figure out what I was doing wrong and why it wasn't growing and why isn't what was, it wasn't bigger, um, or more profitable and, or uh, why I didn't feel fulfilled. Um, to, like, a level that I knew or felt might have been possible, so I, um, and at the end, uh, middle, the summer of 2019, I decided, I, I took this trip with um, one of my, she's now one of my business partners, um her name's Hallie, and she was doing marketing for me at the time, and 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 we just went on this trip to LA, and we went to this conference, and we ended up just having this, like, really dope weekend, and we, um, that weekend, we just decided we are going to change everything about what we were doing, and so, Uh, like four, like uh, four or five months later, we ended up like, um, closing the doors to Celestial Bodies and opening Celestial Bodies Collective, like a whole new entity, new social media, just fucking fresh, clean start and, um, change the business model. And, and, um, internally we changed a lot. Like I have a core staff right now of like five really fucking incredible women. And, um, we all looked at it as this opportunity to just like step into like this person we knew that we could be individually and as a team and that internal culture changed everything about what like what we do why we do it and how we do it and so we started building this connection with our customers and treating them like our fucking friends and our family and like showing them the process for everything the creative process like our struggles all this shit and then you know the biggest change was the business model I went from selling like I guess kind of operating like a typical e-commerce brand to switching to limited edition collections where each collection had its own message its own voice its own vibe its own fucking thing and um it was this it's was a substantially larger amount of work um but it was where I found that piece that I was missing. I found that um, like this, I I started to view it as a vessel for my message and like what I wanted to say to the world, to other women, to anyone um, who was listening or that felt like I, that they resonated with me. And I began to accept that I, it does not matter what I do. my shit, like my products or my message is not going to, it's not going to resonate with everyone. It's not going to please everyone. So I started, I stopped worrying about that. And it was like, I shed this version of myself and I started like creating from a place of like, just of me of like what I wanted to say, what I wanted to make, what I wanted to create. And then like that message resonated with the right people, the people that it's supposed to resonate with. And that's how we started building this culture. And, um, now it's something that's like, it's so beautiful and I'm so proud of everything that it is. And it's like at that, you know, at the end of 2019, and you know, we rebranded into Social Collective essentially at 2020, and then 2020 was like a really fucking tough year for any business. Um, But I looked at it as our year one Uh, our new year one and this like year of just data and learning, learning how to change, you know, operate this different business model. And, um, and now stepping into 2021, like I feel like I have absolutely everything that I could fucking possibly need to like do whatever I want with this business. And, um, and now I also have like the desire to, I, well, I'm sorry. I see, I see my business as a vessel for my message. And now I'm also realizing that I am able to get my message across without a vessel as well. And so I'm sorry, start, I'm starting to see all these other opportunities as um, you know, before I was I was, my belief was this is, I am in this bubble. I am these things. This is a label on me. This is my identity. And now I see so much possibility that like, like literally anything is possible based on like these principles that I've found to be true for me and that is literally just to like be me to the absolute core regardless of anything
1: yeah and now you know why i'm such a fucking diva about my leggings <laughs>
3: i get it because i fucking get it because
1: <laughs> like you know rios can tell you like when we live together it's like um occasionally he would do um he would need to do a load of laundry but like it wouldn't be full so he would just like take my hamper and dump it into and i'd always be like sort out the leggings those have (laughs) to be washed in in a different (laughs) way and they have to be hung and don't you dare try to fold them the wrong way or i swear (laughs) to jesus
3: he's like wearing them one day and he's like these are actually really comfortable
1: (laughs) yeah it's it's why i'm now called pants leg prisons and it's basically ruined me because my mom will be like look at this cute brand that I found online I'll be like no <laughs> you hit set her and run away <laughs> yeah that wouldn't be the first time but <laughs> she's like that's typical that's like a day in my life <laughs> so as 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 we as we wrap it up here um there's I, have, just...
0: I, I have one more question
1: very well, you mother very quickly. Yeah. I
0: just I, ha- I I had this thought at the very beginning of this conversation. I just need to know before I go. Did Norman Smiley teach you how to do the big wiggle?
1: He sure as so thought did. Yeah. Good. It needs to be passed down, generated. Legacy generation. lives on. <laughs> you can't just so like great. you I can't just him. like contain that amount of goodness. Like it has to you be can't. has to be passed through the man
3: is a ray of sunshine. He
1: really is. Aaron, you want to so do normal. the thing?
2: Oh yeah. Oh well. Okay. No, um, I have my thing. Oh yeah. Oh, do thing? your thing. Do
1: yeah, your thing. I had. I had my thing. go do, do, the the thing. Thing. Do, do the thing. Do the thing. Do the thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not really that big of a deal. It's just um, for a really long time, I was like really restrictive about um. I was restricted about how I could be like publicly friends with you. And I fucking hated that because I felt like I had all of these abusive men in my life who were preventing me from like being me and, you know, doing whatever the fuck I wanted. And it's like you have been there for literally the worst times in my life, like the worst periods of everything and like I just wanted you to know how grateful I am to you for being such an incredible presence in my life you were the very first person that I spoke to when I decided to that I needed to leave my old school and it's like I called you at like 6 30 at night and you met me at a Walgreens down the street and I remember we just talked in your car for like two hours and it's like I, I was, like, suicidally depressed and, like, that that conversation, like, literally saved my life and, like, saved my career and, you know, and then when I got fucking fired, like, the the conversation we had on the phone, like, lifted me out of this, like, lump of being, like, you know, feeling pity and feeling sorry for myself and whatever and had me like move my trajectory of my life forward and realize that this is actually a really good thing and that it's opened all kinds of doors that I had shut for myself previously and it's just I don't know how I could possibly thank you enough for being like you know one of my best friends well uh don't make me cry <laughs> I fucking will you can't stop me
0: <laughs> make her cry
1: I'm uh I'm incredibly
3: incredibly proud of you for literally everything that I've witnessed over the past couple of years and um I know it's been like this hole that you've had to climb out of and it's like it's really dope and it's really like I think that your story and like what you've gone through and what you've done and who you've become is something that will change a lot of people's lives and so I think that you should like continue to share it and continue to use your voice and like just keep spreading your wings because I think that this is just like such a your your leaps and bounds of like uh, you know where you were and and I know there's like so much more for you and like I just see that in you and it's like my absolute fucking pleasure to be there for you in any way and like you know I love you so much like you're such a dope person and I, um, it's my absolute pleasure. So I can't wait to see what you do and what you accomplish and, and all that. So I'll be, I'll, I'll always be here just like whatever moms do. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Like whatever they fucking do. It's like, I don't know, eat your vegetables and like get your ass to school, I guess.
3: (laughs) If if that's it, I'm on it.
1: (laughs) She's even helped me with my homework. She proofread my speaking out letter. That's true. Like it's fucking
3: wild. I'm incredibly proud of you for for that. Like I know that was that took a lot of courage and like a a lot of courage. So that was really fucking cool. And if you can do that, like, dude, you can do anything. It's
1: I love you too. And thank you for being there for me. Thank you for you know jumping on this interview with us.
3: It's my absolute pleasure. I've had such a blast. Like this has been so like refreshing. And, um, I don't know, moving for me and like, I just appreciate, you know, any, anything that I have the opportunity to be a part of, especially around like, you know, people that I care for and wrestling and, and, um, so yeah, this has been awesome. Like, it's such a great experience for me too. So I appreciate you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: Uh, where can the demon road diaries loyal fans uh, find you on social media, just in case they aren't already following
3: you. So um, my, I think my, I'm most active on Instagram, my Instagram and my Twitter is just my name, Celeste Bonin one word. And then um, if you like cool leggings that you can round house, kick people in and, um, uh, you can find um, my company, Celestial Bodies Collective, at cbcollective.com. And um, the Instagram for that is Celestial Bodies Collective. Kind of a long one, but necessary.
1: <laughs> if, you, if you literally search CB Collective, it's the very first thing that, like, pops up. So,
3: And we're about to drop a really dope collection of uh, sweats.
1: You can't fucking do that while I'm unemployed, because A, I don't have the money, and B, I'm just gonna lounge in the fucking sweatpants all day.
3: Dude, you know it's like I've, we're stepping into uh, clothing like outside the boundaries of active wear this year. So we're doing sweats and we're doing jeans and we're doing all kind of cool. God. Stuff. I yeah I know, but I got you. I got you. I'm gonna send you. Uh, I'm gonna send you a sweat set so we can just like veg out together and whatever
1: day bless you
2: and just like <laughs> set memes back and forth uh, Yes, yeah. my typical yeah. saturday sick aaron Ooh. do the thing all right well you can find demon road diaries by simply searching demon road diaries on instagram twitter and facebook you can find the coda at we are the coda on instagram twitter facebook gmail and pro slash we are the coda you can find me personally at Music City KG on Twitter and Instagram. Also, PlayStation Network and Cash App, if you're feeling froggy.
0: <laughs> and you can find me, Ronnie Rios, on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, at BastardSonRios. Uh, I tried to make a cringy, like, weird stitch one today. It didn't come out well, so I'm just going to, you know kind of give up on that i'm gonna stick to the i'm gonna stick to the version of tiktok i signed up for which is just a
2: redo of vine so i'm just gonna keep making quippy little vines i mean i've been really feeling the ones where it's like some guy will say something and be like uh you know it's just not fair that women these days and then you just slide in you're like look motherfucker what you need to (laughs) do is shut the fuck up eat a Big Mac and go to hell. And i like, yeah. I don't know what, that, what happened, but okay. It's yeah. like fight, double so tap terrible. or whatever yeah.
0: I need to do. Yeah, I, uh, I tried to make one today that was like the, the setup was uh, if you were a boss character in a video game, what would be your boss theme? And like the guy was like, he was like this really big dude, so he was like I would be Bowser from Mario 64. And he had the Bowser music and I was like, what theme would I use? And I I had a soft spot in my heart for the Asgore theme from Undertale. Of oh, course he's you. like fuck you. Uh,
1: <laughs> listen, I fucking know you.
0: I really I am Asgore, so shut the fuck up. So like I like tried to make a makeshift Asgore costume and like try to do it to the music and when I watched the playback I was like this is the cringiest thing I've ever done <laughs> and I was a theater kid.
1: <laughs> Good for you. So, I'm like
0: yeah. So that's not on my TikTok, but um, you know, there's other stuff. If you're fun like, it's on there. my
3: OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah, that
1: that's that's like the highest tier. In
0: I've had so many people approach me about starting an OnlyFans to the point where I'm like concerned about how people view me.
1: <laughs> I'm actually you're like, so um, I
3: started one.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, <Sort of> like
1: <laughs> I'm slash I'm bastard
2: sunrios.
1: <laughs> I'm starting an Only Pause. Um, it's just pictures of my cats in like different costumes and um oh, solving yeah. mysteries and wow, fighting the ghosts.
3: oh my god Sign yeah
1: yeah yeah there's a lot on the plate for demon road diaries this year <laughs> anyway, you can find me on instagram at durden says on twitter at the durden says pro wrestling slash chelsea durden if you're interested in helping me put my cats through college also i'm fucking <laughs> unemployed put a pizza or something <laughs> in my stomach just please help her me pizza. oh god i'm fucking dying.
2: send her a pizza, um, her her a
1: pizza.
2: pizza. look guys you can just dm chelsea and she'll give you her address you just send a pizza every wednesday
1: um well <laughs> wednesday. yeah we're probably not gonna take it that far however okay, well, send people...
2: it to the neighbor
1: yeah for people, for people who do take it too Wait far a minute.
2: Than... that funny story
0: so I uh there was like a couple of weeks ago I was having like a sad, depressed day and I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna try this stuffed crust pizza from Papa John's. Oh yeah. yeah, And <laughs> I order it and I'm like sitting there going like your delivery should be there any minute. And I'm like looking at I'm like, This this delivery route looks off. And then I realized it's because I had ordered it without checking that the last time I had ordered Papa John's was in Chelsea's apartment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so did Chelsea, get it? So I, I ended up
0: sending a large stuffed crust pizza to
1: Chelsea's apartment. That's incredible. And um, my that. husband and I ate it for dinner, and <laughs> we were very pleased because um that was probably like four-ish days after I got fired, and I was like, I'm gonna try this new starvation diet to just like make what's in the kitchen last as yeah. long as possible. <laughs> and then I got a fucking stuffed crust pizza, and I was like, Wow-y. sick. You're is welcome. fantastic that was the universe I love that story. it was the universe um, so yeah speaking of wonderful things and my mother is the most amazing person in the universe so please leave her alone on Instagram she doesn't appreciate your mean comments you motherfuckers um, and as always from all of us here at Demon Road Diaries for Kaden Green, Ronnie Rios Celeste Bonin and myself we hope that you stay safe And stay jacked.
2: I'm in flannel, so it's a lot harder to see. I worked out (laughs) this morning, I swear. Fuck Mm me.